Hello there. Thank you for inviting me into your eardrums. I'm Sarah Wendell, and this is episode number 457 woohoo, of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. This week, my guest is a bit outside of what I normally do for interviews, but I hope you'll go on this little trip with me. My guest is Colin Dobson Fox. He is the co-host and producer of one of my favorite YouTube channels, Foxes Afloat. Colin and his husband, Sean, live aboard a narrowboat in the UK, and they produce weekly vlogs of their travels and their lives, including Colin's life with autism and with mental illness. So I was fascinated by the editing process because Colin made a comment on one episode that they take about 40 to 50 hours of film and edit them down to 15 to 20 minute vlogs. So partly this is about editing and shaping your story of your own life week to week over three years. But it's also about being a public figure in a small piece of the internet. We also talk about how Colin's relationship with his husband, Sean, started, and it's the most adorable story. You're going to love that part. So I hope you enjoy my somewhat quiet fangirl squeeing and our conversation. I will, of course, have links to where you can find Foxes Afloat on YouTube and on Amazon and where you can learn more about narrowboating because, well, I think it's really cool and maybe you will too. This episode is brought to you in part by An Earl, The Girl, and A Toddler by Vanessa Riley. You might recognize the book title because author Vanessa Riley was a guest on the show a few weeks ago. We talked about the history behind this book and also about air fryers. And while there are no air fryers in this novel, there is exquisite use of historical detail and some tropes that are completely subverted, which is my favorite way of serving up a trope. Surviving a shipwreck en route to London from Jamaica was just the start of Jemina St. Maur's nightmare. Suffering from amnesia, she was separated from anyone who might know who she is and imprisoned in Bedlam. She was freed only because barrister Daniel Thackeray, Lord Ashbrook, was convinced to betray the one thing he holds dear, the law. Desperate to unearth her true identity, Jemina's only chance is to purloin dangerous secrets with the help from the widow's grace, which means staying steps ahead of the formidable Daniel, no matter how strongly she is drawn to him. You can find An Earl, The Girl, and a Toddler by Vanessa Riley wherever books are sold and find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. I have a compliment for Barbara J. Barbara. You are the human personification of a lifetime supply of bubble wrap just for popping. And when you're done, an unlimited lifetime supply of cupcakes and flaky pastries. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge of any amount, thank you. You are helping me make sure that every episode has a transcript and you keep the show going each week. You also are a member of a terrific and wonderful community of people. And if you would like to join the Patreon community, it would be awesome to have you. Have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. This episode is also brought to you by Way. That's O-U-A-I. They have a detox shampoo that I must tell you about. Now, over the course of the quarantines, you might have heard me talk about how Amanda and I have both changed how we're treating our hair. And I have to say, taking really good care of my hair and changing how I care for it has made a massive difference. And since I'm a person who loves to hit the reset button, I was super curious about the Way Detox Shampoo. Let me tell you, it is some clarifying wonderfulness. I've been trying out a bunch of different products, some of which have worked great, but after a while, there's some buildup in my hair and the Way Detox Shampoo smells so lovely. And after washing, my hair was so soft and not at all dry or fragile. It actually helped me out with trying new stuff. And Way's line of products are cruelty-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. 
So when you're ready to undo some damage, hit the reset button with Way Detox Shampoo. Just go to the Way, that's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and use code SPTB to get 15% off your entire purchase. Here's some more letters. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, code SPTB, which stands for Smart Podcast Trashy Books. This episode is also brought to you by Magic Spoon Cereal, which is some delicious business. Now, for some reason on Sunday nights, my husband has realized that every Sunday night he wants to have a bowl of cereal after dinner, and we love cereal, like a lot. But as an adult, I've realized that sugar is really not good for me, and I I, I tend to feel awful after I eat a whole bunch of sugary cereal, and the cereals that I love are full of sugar. It's horrible. But now, now I have Magic Spoon in my pantry. And I get to have my Sunday night bowl of cereal too, because Magic Spoon is zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carb in each serving. Plus, there's only 140 calories. There's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free goodness in the variety pack, which includes cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. Now, my new fave is the fruity flavor. I do love the frosted but they both taste exactly like my favorite childhood cereals. And now when everyone's having a bowl of cereal watching cartoons, I get to have one too. And it makes me very happy. You can go to magicspoon.com slash trashy books to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use the promo code trashy books at checkout and you save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. You can get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash trashy books and use the code trashy books to save $5 off. Thank you to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. And now on with my conversation with Colin Dobson Fox from Foxes Afloat. Thank you so much for doing this. I am so excited to speak with you. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time and and testing the strength of your Wi-Fi connection to do this. We are in the most amazing place for Wi-Fi. It's strange because we've, uh, I, I don't know if you, if you have this over there, we have a 5G that started over here. Oh, it's yep. just like super fast. And Come wherever on. we've been, we, yeah, we've never experienced 5G and we're in Manchester at the moment. So as we were coming closer into Manchester we were look every time we saw an antenna we were looking at his phones and hoping to see that 5g and when it came it was like being a 10 year old on Christmas morning again it was like yay oh my god 300 megabits <laughs> we're gonna stream everything twice at the same time <laughs> so this is the only awkward part if you would please introduce yourself and tell the people who will be listening who you are and what you do Okay, my name is Colin Dobson Fox, and I am half of the brand Foxes Afloat, which, or who, we produce YouTube vlogs, and we also produce a TV series for Amazon Prime Video uh, called Britain by Narrowboats, and we cruise around the 2,000 miles of rivers and canals in the UK and dig up as much history and tell it in the most entertaining way that we think we can. What is a narrowboat and what are the waterways? Oh, we get that a lot because we have a lot of American viewers who are, are really passionate about it, even though they've never seen a canal in the UK in their life. The canals were created during the British Industrial Revolution 
uh, which was in the late 18th century. Uh, so between kind of 1750 and 1800, that's when it all kicked off. And they are basically man-made rivers without a current. And they were built as the motorways of the time during the Industrial Revolution to get cargo, things like coal and stone and food and clothes and anything else that you could carry by boat from one place to another. And they were pulled originally by horses because there was no engines back then. Yep. And you'd have a couple of people on the boat, you'd have the cargo and you'd have a horse and it would pull it at about three or four miles an hour from one place to another. That's it. And they're still around today. Narrow boats, which are the vessels on the canals, are narrow. They're about six foot, 10 inches wide and anything from 40 to 72 foot long. So over the years, narrowboats have evolved and it's now more of a, a leisure industry and an alternative lifestyle. People live on them. People use them for holidays. And there's between about 15 and 20,000 boats that people live on full time nowadays. Uh, and it seems to be growing in popularity. I'm assuming YouTube has helped with that. But I, I noticed you just crossed 100,000 subscribers. Congratulations. Yeah, it's totally mad. That's amazing. It that comes never, with a ever. plaque. I know, I know you live light on the boat. I know you don't have a lot of room, but you're going to get a plaque. Yeah. Yeah, apparently we were, I, I've been Googling this for like two weeks. As soon as we knew we were getting close. You're getting and, close, and how, right? Yeah. How do we get the plaque? And apparently there's a banner that appears on our YouTube homepage uh, when somebody from YouTube, because apparently it has to be human checked. So somebody checks the channel to make sure that we haven't bought subscribers, that we we haven't been naughty One, and two, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> we haven't pinched anybody's content. And apparently, if we if we if we get all these checks, okay, which we should do, fingers yeah. crossed, uh, then a banner will appear on our homepage with a redemption code, and we go to this page, and it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It's like a golden <laughs> ticket into the into the creator studio uh to get our plaque so uh, apparently that takes about a week and we hit 100,000 I think three days ago oh my gosh but it doesn't matter I keep refreshing the page and waiting for this code <laughs> to come out like come on come on hurry come on, up. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> that's amazing so which was more exciting getting 5g or getting 100,000 subscribers the 100,000 subscribers was like a uh it I don't think I can put it into words because it was like how on earth do 100,000 people subscribe to our channel i can't even it's like i can imagine apparently madison square garden is fifty thousand capacity so <laughs> we can fill madison square garden twice. what twice. what how twice. how has that happened but the hundred thousand is just like whoa another level congratulations thank you you've put a lot of work into that i hope you sort of look back and tell past colin like dude seriously you don't understand what's going to happen it's going to be amazing <laughs> you know what that is that is such a, a brilliant way to put it because I think so often in life you can look back or you, you wish you could look back and say to yourself, do not worry about this. This is not going to affect your life. Do not waste time worrying and wasting your life worrying about this because in three months it will mean nothing. Yep. Well, this obviously does. 100,000 subscribers does. Means that lot, means a yeah. lot to us. But yeah, in general, yeah, generally it's like, yeah, I wish I could go back a lot of times and say, just Colin, sort yourself out, mate. <laughs> So what led you to start a YouTube channel? I because your your channel goes through how many years have you been at this? Two or three now? Three? Uh we well the, the channel is three years old. The channel old is three in May. Yeah. yeah. Let me just get rid of Otis. We've got a, a puppy who's very keen for attention. 
channel's coming up to three years old. Yeah. Uh, the boat is two years old in about, well, the 3rd of May. Yeah. The boat will be two years old. It will have launched two years yeah. on the 3rd of May. So, yeah, and the time has just, I, I don't know where the time has gone. Yeah, we, we look back at the vlogs, and I think we're on vlog, I think this week we're on vlog 148. Mm-hmm. And it's one a week. So it literally yep. is like, well, maybe five, ten, it's, it's coming up to three years. And it's yep. just like, where? Where is that time? Oh, I know this feeling. I just released my 450th episode of my podcast. And I had to sort wow. of, when I put that in the field, I was like, wait, hold, whoa, hold on. Really? Really, Sarah? 400? Wow. Wow. How did that happen? Because, you know, you just plot away every week, you yeah. produce the thing, you make the thing, and then you put out the thing. And then you look back and you're like, oh, that's a big number. So yeah. what led you to starting a YouTube channel? That's a tough question because I can't think back to lunchtime, never mind May 2018. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we did this before. We bought a boat back in 2004. And right. back then there wasn't the, in- well, there was the internet, but there was no social media. It's weird because you think 2004 is like last week, but yeah, there was no Twitter and no Facebook. And nope. do you know what I mean? There was there was nothing. It was different. And this time around, YouTube was this combination of a diary because sometimes when we were talking earlier, looking back and saying, sort yourself out, what are you thinking? Don't worry about this. And being able to go back and watch that again from nearly three years ago now is like a diary for us. So that's why that's one of the reasons we did it. The other reason was we knew that we would be isolated. So YouTube is this it's like a hobby. It was something to do. It was a focus. Everything that goes into it, the research, you'll know this doing podcasting. You don't just switch a microphone on and start talking. You've got to do a little bit of research. You've got to know who you're talking to. You've got to know where you go. So on a boat, we need to know where we're going, what we're going to find on the way, how to talk about it. And it was this thing to keep my mind occupied because that's the reason we did this was to try and save my mental health. Mm -hmm. So by having things to do, whether it be using it as a diary or whether it's a platform for me to just stay occupied and concentrate on things. That's why we did it to start with. So what kind of preparation do you do for each episode? Do you film every day or do you decide, all right, today is a filming day and here's what we're going to do. What is your process like to get ready? Because I know you get a lot of footage. You have like what, three cameras plus a drone? Right, from front to back. So from bow to stern, we have a GoPro on the front, on the bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a GoPro somewhere else on the boat. We move that around a little bit. We have another GoPro on the back, which we move around a bit. We have a main video camera, which we talk into. Mm-hmm. We have a uh, little mobile pocket camera on a gimbal. So mm-hmm. whoever's going off to do locks or bridges takes that. We have the drone mm-hmm. to get external shots. We have a 360-degree camera, which is getting all sorts of weird type of shots. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of footage. Each vlog will be about 30 to 40 hours of footage. Yeah, for a 20, 25 minute vlog. That's definitely something I want to ask you about though, that process. So when you're when you're getting ready to to film, what do you do to to prepare? Do you have a number of points you want to hit in your history? Do you want to look up the history and then decide? Like what is your preparation like? What we normally do is we work out where we're going. So we'll work out a route. Mm-hmm. so we're going from point a to point b on this day mm-hmm. and this day is always the day where it's going to be as sunny as possible as light of winds as possible you know I mean? so, wait 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 you're you're <laughs> you're in england yeah your odds are not good that's right i'm really sorry 
we, we, we move like three days a year. <laughs> it's going to be sunny tomorrow. Four vlogs tomorrow we've yeah. got to do. <laughs> I better get the gas. Let's go. <laughs> Doesn't always work like that. So we work out a day and then we'll work out a route. So we know where point A is. We know where point B is. Do the research on the route. There's no script or anything. We just go. We just set the camera recording at the front, set the camera on the on the roof, where whichever way it's pointing. And the rest is purely ad lib from sometimes bullet point notes. Mm-hmm. I'm autistic and I've got an eidetic memory, so I can research. I can spend an afternoon researching a, a 10-mile route and I will remember every single detail. Wow. Sometimes I'll have an order on my iPhone with a couple of bullet points as a reminder. But the nuts and bolts of the story that I'm going to tell are, are basically ingrained from from research. So it's a combination of preparing the cameras, getting the cameras on, preparing the route, preparing the day, learning the research, and then trying to get those stories out in the most interesting, entertaining, sometimes a little bit risky way possible. Yes, I uh, I I nearly stopped breathing when you started talking about taking Sean up the Lancashire. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> The body bits are the best part. Sorry. <laughs> John loved being taken up the lanky. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you have I... an entire merch line that says you can't say that. That's right. Yeah. I nearly took him up the Ashton a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> when you're redoing your research, is there ever a point? Because I know what part of what your your vlogs are about is working with your brain, working with your mind and how it is and how you process the world and then presenting part of that to the world. Um, when you're, when you're doing all of the research, is there a point where your brain is like, okay, look, this is too much information you need to stop. Or is it like, no, more, 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 more. Yeah. I tend to be like a sponge. So I can sit and research and I, I can go and what normally happens is, uh, Sean, my other half will literally have to drag me away from the desk you have like 35 tabs open on chrome (laughs) (laughs) your computer's like oh my gosh you need to stop yeah we spend we we spend our lives telling stories about what's happening outside the boat yeah yet my life is kind of in this seat just sat here just researching so the desk is just surrounded in books like you say 30 odd tab chrome tabs open uh wikipedia and google and, and just everywhere and I'm just kind of soaking in all this information. And my other half, Sean, will will literally have to kind of pick me up, say, Colin, go for a run. (laughs) Go out, just get out there. You're talking about out there, go out there just for half an hour. You've got to have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. And I think if you've got a passion for it, it, you don't, I could sit here 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I'd probably fall asleep after like 18 of them, but I could sit here for 24 hours a day and just research, research, research. I understand that because I have made my hobby into my job. My website I've been running for 16 years started out of a passion for reviewing fiction. And then I started a podcast and I could be at my desk all the time. Like I love what I do, but you do have to get up and go outside. (laughs) It's so easy, isn't it? Right. Yeah. You're just like, oh, wait, what? It's five o'clock. Oh. Well, crap. that's that's the thing. It's not that you. It's not that you purposely decide when you get up at whatever time. I'm going to sit here for twelve hours and and huh. do what I'm doing. It's just that you look at the clock and it's ten past nine in the morning, and then you look at the clock and, like you say, it's five o'clock on an evening. Yep. So you mentioned a minute ago. This is the part where I'm the most curious. Your episodes are about fifteen to thirty minutes long at the most. They're really, really trim. But you mentioned that you have 
many, many hours of footage. What is your process like to go from all of that footage down to the episode? Because I know you've said it takes about a week. Yeah, you could say the average episode takes me about four days uh, to edit. So I'll start off with with up to forty hours of footage. Wow. I'll have an i I'll have an idea what the story is. So there'll be an overriding theme to that day. Usually, there's an overriding theme, whether it be one particular story or something that runs through the whole thing. And what I'll try to do is create a story for the day around one theme. So even though there's forty hours of footage. Eight hours of it might be just from the camera at the front. And that's, I wouldn't say it's benign footage, but it's just the camera at the front. So there's literally not a lot to take from that. So you you kind of cut it down and the majority of it is going to be drone shots, which are for the amount of time you spend in the air, the most amount of footage will be used, if that makes sense. Yep. So from eight hours on the bow cam that just records front going, you might use two minutes out of eight hours but from the drone the drone might be up for five minutes and you might use four minutes of that right so you tend to pick up what's going to get used most so the drone footage is used a lot the pieces to camera obviously are the the the, the main bones of the of the vlog so they get used and it's just a matter of putting everything into an order that that relates to telling that story from my perspective because i think if i if i find it interesting and it flows for me then it's going to flow for other people because i'm such a perfectionist and being a perfectionist you find that if you're happy with it other people are going to generally be happy with it. oh absolutely i tell that to podcast guests i talk to a lot of authors and a lot of people who are very introverted and don't want to talk to other people. And I say, you know, look, whatever you will nerd out about, whatever makes you just go completely nerdgasm is always interesting. It's always interesting to somebody who's to listen to someone be really passionate about what they're doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so putting that story across in an entertaining way and having the footage to back it up, I'd rather have 40 hours of footage and be able to visually tell the story as well as vocally tell that story that is more important than just saying, oh, this happened here mm-hmm. and not be able to back it up with any images. Because yeah. if you're telling a story, if somebody's giving you a visual guideline, then your mental image is based on that. It's based on what you've been told and what you're seeing, which is yes. makes the story easier to, to understand. And it, I think it makes it more entertaining. Even if we use uh, 20 minutes from 40 hours of footage, I'd rather have that 40 hours than just have an hour of footage mm-hmm. and not be able to tell the story properly. When people are editing books, for example, one of the big directions given to authors is to show someone, don't tell, show, don't tell, don't tell someone what's happening, show them what's happening. And so with a vlog and the editing, you have the ability to show people what you're doing and what you're seeing and where you are. And it seems from having watched so many that the main major themes of your of your channel and of the, the, the all of the diaries together is this is where we are right now. And this is where we are personally right now. It's as much your story as the locational story. And I think that's really interesting and important because it's it's really hard to be honest and be yourself so publicly, especially in front of 100,000 people. I'm an introvert. That's a lot of human beings. For you, what is the decision that you make to decide how much of yourself to share? Because I also know that you are the more um, the more public face of the channel and Sean doesn't want to do any of the, of the inter- interviews and stuff. It's a very strange dynamic because in real life, Sean is the more engaging, outgoing, confident one of the two of us. 
And in real life, I'm the complete opposite. I'm the introvert. I'm the one that can't wait to get inside the boat if I know somebody's going to come and try and talk to us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I think this is why I enjoy YouTube so much, Mm -hmm. because I can completely open up and spill every horrible thing that's going on inside my head (laughs) and and just talk openly but it's not to anybody so I'm not getting the stress and anxiety and that social awkwardness that I get face to face with people and I can't deal with that and that's something that a lot of people now understand better because we we explain that in the vlogs so people know when they come to the boat that I am going to be awkward, that I'm probably not going to be stood up there talking like I talk on camera yeah. because on camera, on uh, through a microphone, I'm a completely different person, which is why I've always worked in radio because it's been my thing. All alone in a studio, people can come and look at the glass. The <laughs> microphone is the, is the other person and it's a completely different world. Put the 100,000 people in front of me yeah. and I, yeah, I will just be a pool on the floor. <laughs> There's this... <laughs> This horrible, slimy pool of Colin, set yourself out. And I think because I am an introvert, and I think the other mental health stuff as well, which makes me more socially awkward, this is my window. This is my way of engaging with people in a way that's comfortable for me and is getting me out there. Whereas Sean's different. He's like the complete polar opposite. Put him in front of a camera or a microphone and he is me in front of 100,000 people. So I think that's why the dynamic works. Yeah, He's got the confidence. And for me as an introvert, it's an amazing way to be able to communicate with people. Mm -hmm. And I think it it shows the dynamic that me and Sean have because Sean is the opposite. But it's good that Sean's the opposite because people, we do get recognised a heck of a lot. I was going to say, I bet you do. It's not that big of a community. No. And it's always Sean that's, that's like the face of foxes afloat now. So when, when, when somebody knocks on the boat, Sean's the one that goes up for the first few weeks, it was like looking at each other. Whose turn is it? But then it's like, no, Sean goes up. I will be right back with more of my conversation with Colin. But first I have two things to tell you about thing. The first This podcast is also brought to you by Ritual, a vegan-friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. I like knowing what's in my vitamins, and I really like knowing what's not in my vitamins. Ritual does not contain sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants, and they tell you the supply chain of each ingredient, which is not a thing I had thought much about, but I appreciate knowing. And I think it's really cool how some of the ingredients were developed to be vegan-friendly. It doesn't make me feel nauseated, and as soon as I finish a bottle, a new one arrives. It's so handy. I can start, snooze, and cancel my subscription at any time. Now available for women, men, and teens, Ritual Multivitamins are a scientifically developed way to help support different life stages. You can get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com forward slash Sarah to start your ritual today. This episode is also brought to you in part by June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game that several folks in the comments have recommended before on the site. 
I want to say a special hello to Megan, who joined the game after my last spot for June's Journey and is now playing along too. I even made us a club, SBTV Romance, so you can come join us. June's Journey is a hidden object murder mystery set in the 20s. You play as June Parker, an amateur detective investigating the mysterious death of her sister. You progress through the mystery by gathering clues found in different scenes, and you level up by building and restoring the property where June is living. There are so many different elements, but the heart of the game is the hidden object scenes where you try to find as many objects as quickly and accurately as you can. It's really easy to get caught up in trying to beat my last score. I really like the puzzle challenges and I like testing my memory with each round. I really like using June's Journey to take a break when I'm working. I do a few puzzles and then I go back to my to-do list with a happier brain that solved some things because my brain loves solving things. And I keep going through each chapter because I want to know what happens next. There's puzzles and then there's a story and then suddenly I've been hanging out for 20 minutes and I'm really happy. You can join 30 million fans across the globe and awaken your inner detective with June's Journey. It's free to download on your phone or tablet. You search for hidden objects and collect clues to solve the mystery. There are endless hours of fun with thousands of scenes and new chapters every week. You can download June's Journey for free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And if you're playing June's Journey, please email me and let me know how you like it or, you know, join our club. And now back to my conversation with Colin Dobson Fox about narrowboating, editing, and everything else. So did you always intend for your lives on the vlog to be as, for you, as open and inclusive as you are in in sharing with people about what's going on in your mind and what's going on when you have a bad day? And my younger son likes to say, my mom, my, my brain is just, is just chattering at me and I can't make it stop. It's just chattering and chattering. When, when you have a minute where you're a time when your brain is just sort of fighting with you, you're very open about that. Was that always part of your plan with your, with your series? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. From day one. I think that there's a specific reason for that. Before we gave up our jobs, I used to, I was working in radio and mm-hmm. I, I love radio. I absolutely love radio, but the, um, the, the people I were working for, didn't understand mental health issues in any way whatsoever. Never mind things like autism and ADHD and anything that wasn't specifically labeled. They had no understanding. I know I hate to use the word sympathy because I don't look for sympathy. I don't think sympathy is, is, is the issue. I think it's basically understanding and a willingness to try and help to make someone's life better. If they have a physical issue, then that's different. Normally they will be accommodated for. If you have a mental health issue, in this particular case, I wasn't able to get any support from them whatsoever. And I think that was still resonating in my mind when we started the channel, that if I'm thinking like this, if this has happened to me, how many other people are going through this? I mean, the official figure is something like 30, in the UK, 30, 30% of people will have a mental health issue. And it's not, it's much more than that. I think oh. the lockdown over the past year and everything that's gone on is showing that it's not 30%. It's 60, 70, 80, 90% of people are having mental health issues. Depression is depression. Anxiety is anxiety. It's uncomfortable. And it stops you from doing things. It stops you from enjoying life. It screws with your head. It keeps you awake at night. It wakes you up at four o'clock every morning. Like you were yes, talking about does. chatter. You can't get the chatter out of your head. And it it doesn't matter to what extent or level that is. And if I can get that message out, 
to other people, if I can help one person, if I can help one employer to understand an employee that they've got and not make the same decisions Mm -hmm. that make that employee feel uncomfortable and want to leave, then I've done a good thing. And that's why we went into this with the term, and I hate using the term warts and all, because I don't have warts. Honestly, nowhere, never have. (laughs) But but the term warts and all, and, and we were very, very adamant from the start that I would be completely, and I have been completely off. I've never hidden anything. If people can understand that other people have mental issues, then like I say, if helping just one person, uh, that, that, that's, that's my job done. And I know from the feedback we get in three years, we've had no exaggeration, thousands and thousands of messages from people who said, thank you, this has had this effect or this effect. There's no sense of self-fulfillment or ego or anything from it. It's like, in my head, it's just like a little thumbs up saying, yes. Yeah, especially That's because no one, no, no two people are going to experience anxiety the same or a depression in the same way or autism or neurodivergence or, or ADHD. No one's going to experience that in exactly the same way between two people. So... You're sharing your experience allows people, I would presume, to say, "Oh, I experienced this the same, or I experienced this different." But we're both we're, we're both valid. It's okay. We can be who we are, and you've created this sort of visual safe space for people to not only learn but also accept themselves and the things that they go through. So the feedback must be—I don't want to say gratifying, like "Yes, haha, I did it." Like you said, it's not ego. It's it's more like. You, you've you've reached people and you know that you have. Yeah. When we were talking about being introverts yes. earlier on, there's, it, this goes back to that in a sense that it's a way for me to be open and engage with people. The overriding thing that I look for in our content is that we can form that relationship and engage with people in such a way where they feel like they know us. And that's, that's, that's the, the, message we get most of all the amount of emails and messages we get that start I feel like I know you yeah <laughs> no and, it's uh, true voice is very intimate especially if someone is watching your videos with with earplugs so it's just your voice in their eardrums voice is deeply intimate and people will feel that they know you because you've been talking to them literally for hours it's intimacy and it's vulnerability yeah I think the term voyeur sometimes <laughs> leads to something different, but I think we're all voyeurs in that way that we all we all stand and stare at people. Oh, Everybody yeah. has a story, and and people are people watchers. I think w- we are inherently designed that way, and to be able to watch somebody else's life and be able to engage and relate to what's going on in their lives mm-hmm. especially when it's things that are not spoken about generally and yeah. and openly I think yeah. is what draws people in and it's these little things that people don't talk about and because it's it's more of just us to camera with a lot of beautiful scenery in between I think that that's the interest I think that Definitely. people are just interested in people aren't they People are definitely interested in people. Um, I remember listening to a podcast called Simplify, and one of the hosts, uh, Caitlin Schiller, said that her theory about why popula- why podcasts exploded in popularity is that you're giving permission to other people to eavesdrop on your conversations. 
And so with a vlog, it's very similar. You're giving people permission to sit on your boat and travel with you, except as an introvert, they're not actually there. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to feed them. They're not going to use your toilet, but they're, they, we all get to be there. All 100,000 of us are on your boat. Not only is it inviting um, a form of voyeurism and witnessing, but it's also, it's intimate because you're being invited to eavesdrop and be there without without all of the extra stuff that comes with interacting in person, right? It's yeah. one of the reasons why I love podcasting is I get to have conversations, but it's it's very low stress for me as an introvert. Can relate to that completely. Yeah. Absolutely. Completely. There's no, and it was it would be different because if the if the people that listen to your podcasts, if you were sat on a stage with the people out there. Oy, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> and I was the other side of the table. Yeah. Then I think we would both be that that horrible slimy pool of nervous mess. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. I can, I can do, I can do events. I have a very long preparation process before I do something in person. And and it's been like over a year now. Like I haven't put on real pants in over a year. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Trousers. I beg your pardon. That means something different in the UK. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And it, it, it comes down to being able to relate, doesn't it? I mean, two people can talk about something that people have absolutely no interest in, mm-hmm. but I think it's the fact that you're you're within that, you're the third person in that conversation, even though you're not in the conversation. Yes. It's just that thing about being in that intimate moment. I don't mm-hmm. mean intimate in that sense, but intimate in in just the, the, those two people talking. In your presence, you feel, yeah. Yeah, even mm-hmm. though a hundred, uh, however many thousand people have, have listened to it or are also listening to it, it's just... I don't know. It's a weird thing. And I think it's underestimated. Again, it's something that people don't talk about. Again, it comes down to this mental health thing. People people are not always 100% honest about why they're doing things or what they're feeling or why they're doing it. And so to be able to talk about it in a way that's not taboo, it's not naughty, it's not, oh, I shouldn't be saying this. Talking about it in a way that's completely normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did a vlog, I can't remember when, and Sean actually filmed me on the bed, melting down, fetal position, crying my eyes out. Luckily, my feet were clean because he got those in shot. <laughs> but and to this day, I'm glad I didn't have to crop those out. But yeah, kind of laying on the bed, having a meltdown, and then another one where I'd, I I melted down and I just I, I ran off from the boat and I don't I, I don't remember it. And he he kind of just got his phone out and started talking about it, and it had such a powerful effect. I can watch it again and cringe because, oh, I was having a meltdown and everybody saw. But then you start seeing the comments that are coming in and you think, oh, my God, that that helped all these people. Mm-hmm. I think the first vlog I ever spoke about, ASD, about autism, was vlog nine. We're on 148 this week, and it was vlog nine. And yep. it was, for anybody that follows the channel, this is a bit of a scoop. You got a bit of a scoop out of me now. Vlog nine was recorded literally days after I left my job in radio. Oh. And that's why I recorded it. And it was supposed to be my kind of coming out to my coworkers. And this was the video that was to explain to anybody that didn't know why what happened had happened. When we look back at the other early vlogs, because this was vlog nine, so this was uh, June, July 2019. When we look at the other vlogs from those dates, they have hardly any views. And then the autism one, the the, the coming out one, is it's like a hundred and odd thousand views now. Yep. And it still gets as many views now as it did 
well, more views now than it, it did back then. And I think it comes back to that thing about just talking and being honest and, and relating and, and people, I mean, we get so many messages of, oh, I feel like that and, and this happened to me and, and have I got autism? It's like, well, we don't know. You've got to go and see your doctor and go through the process and it's quite a long. But even if it's just getting people to think and it's like a contemplation, it's getting them thinking. So I would rather they wake up at two o'clock in the morning and think, I really need to go to the doctor because this isn't right. I'm feeling like Colin feels and I, maybe there's something I can do about this. I think what it goes back to is I have this theory that everything is language, that when you give someone the language to talk about what they're thinking or feeling, they're going to be able to connect with other people who share that language, whether that's being able to describe the book you want to read and the particulars of the book you want to read, or it's being able to talk about what's going on in your head in a way that someone else can say, oh, I understand. I have that same experience. And this is what I call it. When you arrive at a common language it helps people understand what's going on in other people's heads a little bit, a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's totally right. What does Sean think of the success of the channel and of, you know, from his pr- perspective, what does he think of the, the incredible number of, of subscribers you have now and the, the responses that you get? What's his perspective? Uh, we're in Manchester at the moment and a nuclear bomb could go off and, Sean wouldn't spill his wine. (laughs) This is how chilled Sean is. Yeah, Sean is the ultimate Mr. Cool. So he doesn't think about, oh, how many subscribers are we getting this week? Have we lost any subscribers? Have we gained this? How many views has this video got? He doesn't think. Sean's like, wake up, have breakfast. Let's do what we're going to do. Let's go to bed. It's like, (laughs) I hate I hate that you can be like that. Please just like take half of my stress and let me have half of your like total calm because I just don't understand how somebody can be that chilled. <laughs> so so he was pleased. Yeah, he's pleased that we got to 100,000. But he was pleased in such a chilled way that you wouldn't even know. <laughs> he didn't spill his wine. We've got 100,000 follower subscribers, Sean. Oh, cool. <laughs> no, Sean, we've got 100,000 subscribers. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> no, I don't think you realize we can fill Madison Square Garden twice with subscribers. All right. Yeah. Okay. Have, have we ever been have we ever been to Madison Square Garden? Well, no, but <laughs> How long so, yeah. have you two been together? I think you said it was 20 plus years? Yeah, it'll be 29 years this November. Congratulations. Thank you. We met in 1992. Uh November 1992. Well, no, it was actually the summer. Well, actually I'm I'm going to I'm going to give you a second scoop actually. <laughs> I was dating his boyfriend. And I didn't I didn't I didn't know he had a boyfriend. Well, I, no, the, the the guy I was dating, I didn't know that the guy I was dating was Sean's boyfriend. I didn't know at the oh, time. No. And we'd been dating I mean we'd been dating days. I mean this was like gay relationship in the early 90s when relationships lasted days. And we'd been dating a few days and we were walking through Leeds city centre and this guy walked up to us and said Oh, hello, who's this? I don't have a very good instinct, but the instinct kicked in pretty much immediately. That light bulb, I mean, the light bulb didn't just come on, it exploded. And it's like, oh, oh dear. Crap. <laughs> oh, dear. I need to I need to go. My bus is by. And I've gone. <laughs> and so what happened is over the next few weeks, Sean was stalking me around the bars I was going into in Leeds. Now I thought he was gonna 
basically kicked my head in. I thought he was he was like stalking me to do me harm because I'd been dating his boyfriend. Oh no. And in reality, he'd kicked his boyfriend out for for being unfaithful, as you would. Yeah. And he liked me, so he was kind of trying to court me. That's a nice English saying, isn't it? He was courted. He's trying to court me. And I thought he was trying to do me harm. So every time he's following me into a bar and standing near me, I'm my heart rate like goes up to 150 beats a minute, and I'm out of there like a shot. And this went on for about a month before he kind of bought me a drink. And I'm like, right, what's going on? Right. And we, st- and we started dating. And we started dating in November 1992. So, yeah, November what, like, 2021. You were like 15 Four. years old? <laughs> Thank you. I was uh, 19. Wow. Yeah, I was 19. So, yeah, this November will be 29 years since we began dating. Wow. That's yeah, a long amazing. time. That is amazing. It's weird. It's one of those relationships where I can't, I, everything that could go wrong in a relationship has gone wrong and we're still here and we love each other like crazy. Some people think he's like a crutch because I have mental health issues that he's the strong one. And he's really, it's not like that at all. Every time we do a vlog and I'm shown, I, I show any weakness. Like we did the Tidal Thames in London, which is like the biggest adventure you can do on a narrow boat. You yeah. do not take a 57 foot flat bottom boat on a tidal river. Yeah, bad with a idea. 12 knot, really bad idea. So many disasters happen that way. Well, not actually, but could have done. And I show the slightest bit of nervousness and Sean's the hero. So therefore Colin has mental health issues. So Sean's the strong hero and, Collins, the the I'm not even going to say the words that we get that I get called sometimes, and that's that's upsetting because I am I'm I mean this is no ego I am the brains <laughs> <laughs> I am I am I am the brains and he he's the one that will stand at the tiller in any weather and direct us through a storm. Yep. So he is the strength, and to me, saying he's my rock is an understatement. He is. He's the your rock lighthouse. Of, the world, everything, yeah. yeah. And he will stand at the tiller and guide us through any storm, metaphorical or, or otherwise. But I am the one that will sit here for a week and plan the route through that storm. So it's yeah. definitely a two-way thing. Oh, yeah. The way my husband and I describe it, I set him up, he knocks him down. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you set it up, he knocks him down. And it really annoys me when people think that mental illness is a sign of weakness. Oh, because for the not, love of God, yes. And a lot of people think that. And again, I think it goes back to not understanding. I don't think it's out of malice. I don't think it's it's anything like that. It's just a lack of understanding. But it's fear. still annoying when you read comments like that, isn't it? So what advice would you have for anyone who's thinking of starting their own vlog? Be yourself. I think yes. a lot of channels, a lot of people that start YouTube will come into it thinking that they're going to get thousands of subscribers that are going to make a lot of money they're going to get influence deals and this that and the other vlogs are going to get thousands of years and it's just it's not like that <laughs> it's no. not like that i read that 90 percent of views go to the top 10 percent of vloggers yeah and that now have i got this right so 90 percent of views are of the top 10 percent of vloggers and the other 90 percent are scrambling for the final 10 percent. is that right have i worded that right yeah and I think the key to it, the, the best advice I can give is to be yourself because 
if you try and be anybody else, you can't you can't be anybody else because you will always end up reverting back to you. Mm-hmm. So you can try and be fake and you can try and uh, replicate what other people do. And people have done it with us as a channel. We've had people start on narrowboats and they basically copy everything that we do, even down to the designs of titles and, and music. And it doesn't work because it's not them. Nope. And I think that's the key to it. And sometimes, you know, you've got to be honest. You could start a channel. You could be yourself. You could do the best that you can do and it won't work. Mm-hmm. And that's just because that's how it is. Yep. And sometimes you just have to accept that. Yep. I'm just starting in podcasting. And after listening for the last hour and a bit, how how you come across, that's kind of dented my confidence because I'm now thinking – I'm not going to do well in podcasting. Oh, you're going to do brilliantly. Do not worry. You're a natural. And oh, I'm thank like... you. <laughs> so I think, yeah, just be yourself and be realistic and don't give up. Yeah. Because if if we'd have given up in the first year, I think it, it took us a year to get 5,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. I think in year two, we got up to about 30,000 and it's only in the last nine months that we've Mm -hmm. gone from 30 to a hundred. Thank you so much for doing this. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your time. I've taken up a lot of it and I'm very, very grateful. This is a, this is a big step outside for me. Like you were saying about to be yourself and do what you want to do. Most of the time I talk to authors and I cover a lot of topics related to romance fiction and women and things. So this is a step outside for me, but it has been an absolute pleasure and I'm so excited to share this with my community. Thank you so much. I've loved it. Thank you so much for talking. I also have a, so Sean can't hear me, right? He's not on the boat at the moment. Okay. So I have a gift suggestion for you to give to him. There is a cookbook called Snacking Cakes. Right. Yeah. And it is all recipes for cakes. I'm Snacking down, sorry. cakes. And so it's wonderful. I don't know if you have, it's available digitally, so you don't have to have the book itself, but the cake recipes, I believe it's American. I don't know if it's been translated into, um, you know, what the rest of the normal world uses for measurements, but everything is adaptable. So it's like, okay, if you don't have this pan, but you have this pan, you can do it this way. So it's very adaptable for large and small scale, but the cakes are phenomenal. And I know, that, I know, that. I know he, I know he likes cake. Yeah, he does, and he'll be making them from day one. He'll just go through it from yeah. from front to back. It's a brilliant cookbook. It's so good. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation. If you are looking to find out more about narrowboating or you want to check out Foxes Afloat, do not worry. I will have links in the show notes at smartpitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. Thank you to Colin for hanging out with me and and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I end every episode with a terrible joke and this week's terrible joke comes from a listener. Martin sent me this joke and it's awful and it's so perfect because this is what's happening in my world. I presume if the seasons are changing for you, you might also be experiencing this. Are you ready for this terrible joke? I cannot wait for you to share this with people. It's so great. Okay. Did you know that there is a vision of the afterlife where each circle of hell is plagued by a different kind of pollen? It's true. Circle of hell, each layer, different layer of pollen. It was written by Dante Allergieri. (laughs) Allergieri. (laughs) Thank you, Martin. (laughs) 
So if you don't have pollen, maybe like me, you're also about to have an incredible symphony of cicadas this summer. Holy cow. (laughs) I wonder if there are bad cicada dad jokes. If you know of any, you know what to do with them, correct? You send them to me immediately, right? Yes, of course you know that. (laughs) Allergy, Harry. Thank you, Martin. Thank you for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back next week. But until then, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. And thanks for tuning in. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.